Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. My name is Ryan. I'm the youth pastor here. just want to welcome you uh, this morning. I have the pleasure of uh, kicking us off this year. Uh, We're going to be going through our vision as a church. And so today's first thing is Jesus changes everything. I'm really excited because we're going to jump in. Um, I just want to invite you, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I'm going to jump into a story, uh, just a moment in my life that changed me. Uh, This is back a few weeks ago. I was at I was worshiping with a bunch of friends of mine. We were just worshiping God. It was like a community hangout. And uh, just during that time, uh, I was asking God, you know, we were talking, we were singing a song about loving him. Have you ever like, you know, heard a song about loving Jesus and you're like, oh, I want to feel that more. I want that to be more real in my heart. You know, can you resonate with that? Like, oh man, these people really seem like they love God. I want that too. What's really cool is I actually asked God about that. I'm like, Lord, how do I love you more? And then he said, to be loved by me. And then you're going to grow in your love for him. It changed everything. Literally in that moment, um, I believe the Lord just, he he whispered to me, he's like, Ryan, I want you to be loved by me. Like, the love back to God will come. But we have to be loved by him. And so that's what changed everything for me. It shifted from striving to resting. Uh, I was resting in the Father's love. I knew that he loved me, and I'm still growing in this, and the easy yoke became real to me, too. The easy yoke is a a passage in Matthew chapter 11. If you haven't heard of it, it's, you know, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and he's going against the religious pressures of the day. Um, So if if you haven't heard of that before, uh, and then I knew that, that God loved me in a deep and personal way. I was just sitting. I didn't do anything. He loved me, and I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't striving. I wasn't reading my Bible in the moment. He, I just felt God say, I love you just for who you are, not because of what you do. It was a different kind of love. It's not fluffy. It's not cheesy. It's a strong love that went to the cross for you, paid the price for your sin, and he was, he, his nails were pierced. His side was pierced for you because he loved you. That's the basis of the gospel, and that's where I'm going to jump in today. It's the basis of love. And I think we can lack foundation a little bit sometimes. We can lack, and we can know the gospel in our heads, but we haven't really laid hold of the foundation of the gospel in our hearts and our thoughts and our minds. And waves come, and we can, be, we, we can become shaken too easily by the world and by identity and what, what people might say about us or what we think of ourselves. Today, there's an opportunity to have more of a foundation. My question is, what's been your foundation? Your money, your job, your house, your relationship status. What's your foundation? Where are you resting on? And I think we can lack understanding. So today, we're going to jump into John chapter 3. Let's read the word together. If you want to follow with me, I'm going to jump in here. It says this in verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs unless that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
classic Jesus. He says it all the time. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said this to you, you must be born again. Verse 8 says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it, where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has descended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then... The big home run right here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm gonna read verse 17 too. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Wow, so that's the context of John 3.16. How many of you have known that before? You know, you've heard John 3.16, but you didn't, didn't you know what comes before it, right? Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He's a Pharisee. They taught that being in the bloodline uh, was, your, was your entrance into salvation, right? If you were related, if you had the family line of Abraham, you had guaranteed access into, into heaven. But Jesus blows that away, and he says, actually, being born again being born of God, which is something you cannot do by yourself, and it's not of the flesh. He says, born of the flesh is flesh, born of the spirit is spirit. So he tells them, and he goes right into the message, right? God so loved the world. Being born again means that we have new life. This is now sourced and empowered by the spirit. And right away, in order to understand the gospel, we have to understand God's heart for humanity. We have to understand God's heart for humanity. The heart of God is that none should perish. And my encouragement today is that we're gonna be walking through the gospel and then we're gonna be walking through this outreach, right? This evangelism nature, right? Jesus changes everything. That's our mission. That's what we're saying as a church. So just open your heart and mind today. I just pray that you you don't just let the gospel go by you. Every time I hear it, it encourages me. I always pray that that's my heart posture and I encourage you to have that posture too, you know? I've had conversations with friends and they just remind me that you are um, God's son. He loves you. Like when they remind me the gospel, it just changes my heart. And so I pray that the same is for you today. The basis of the gospel is the love of God. It's not condemnation. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not condemnation. It's not you were so bad and now, you know, it's a sign of love. He didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. It's actually good news. And if you've ever wrestled with condemnation of yourself or from the enemy or from your own thoughts or from others, that is not from the Lord. Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. 
John 3.17 talks, it lays it out. And then uh, how did God manifest his love? He sent his son. How did God show his love? He sent Jesus. He's the manifest, he's the manifestation of the love of God, and he's the revelation of the love of God too. He makes it clear, right? If we know he we know God's love, Jesus is that embodiment of that love. He, he reveals that to us. Another way you could translate John 3:16 is this: For this is how God loved the world. <laughs> That's another translation. You know, we always hear for God so loved, but then we can also say this for this is how God showed the love of the world by giving his son. Right now we're walking through the fundamentals, right? We're walking through those things. These are true things. Um, and we're going to talk about equipping um, all of you and how to share this. And so one of the best ways, if we're going to be sent out to share something, is if we know it really good ourselves, is if we actually have it in our hearts um, and in our minds. First John 4.19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Goes back to my story in the beginning that I really felt the Lord tell me, like, to be loved by me. <laughs> Let me love you, and then you're going to love me back right? It all, and it says right here, we love because he loved you. It all starts with him. The whole gospel started with God to you. He reached down to you. You, you, didn't, you may have reached up to him, but he already reached out to you. He already made the way. So number one, when we let the Father love us, we're going to see ourselves differently. You're going to see who you are differently, this is identity, right? When, when, when you know the love of the Father, you're going to see yourself differently. It's going to change. You realize you have worth, and he shows it to you. He created you. Second Corinthians says you were bought with a price. He paid the highest price to have you. Maybe that makes you feel uncomfortable. You're like, wow, Jesus did that for me. Well, it's, it's actually true. And that shows you your worth, right? That you actually do have worth in the eyes of God. We are not just... He, he, he died on the cross. That's a sign right there. If, if he laid his life down, then that's a sign you have worth, right? If we're trying to work through these unworthy thoughts, like I'm so unworthy, it's like, okay. You know, because of sin, that, that happens. But now because of the love of God, he, he restores your worth. Because of the cross, your worth is restored. It's brought back together. It's brought back together. Genesis 127 says, you were created in the image of God. You were created to reflect him and his glory, right? And that's worship, that's purpose. God gives you purpose. Maybe you're looking for that today. He, it's, it's yours. To reflect him. And it's, you were birthed on purpose. He created you because he wanted to. He didn't create you because he was obligated to. You are a product of his joy and his love, and then out came people, out came the world, out came trees, plants, and everything in all of creation right? That's all a product of what God did. So when we come into relationship, he restores this. And so my, my challenge to you, <laughs> don't let your circumstances determine your identity. Don't let what's happening around you determine who you are, because who you are is already determined before whatever happens around you. Whatever somebody says, like, our foundation is rooted in that place, Right? Whatever somebody says at work to you, if whoever says this or that comments, it could be yourself, that's not going to determine who you are. You are who God says you are before anyone else says who you are. 
You actually have permission to go to the Father and receive his love before anyone else, and then you can be confident in that place. And guess what? That frees you up to love others. That frees you up from offense. That frees you up now to give. That you're, it's an unoffendable heart. I'm giving now because I've been given so much. I can't help but give. I can't help but release. We have purpose now. And it's rooted in the love and the foundation of the gospel, which is the good news. It's secure. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, you are a new creation. This is another identity piece I'm walking through. When we know his love, we know who we are, right? So now our identity, we have been regenerated. Your old self has been put away, and your new self has been given to you. God's giving you his righteousness. One commentator says that when we're talking about regeneration, it goes along with John chapter 3, right? Unless you're born again. And the new creation is something that is true. It's something that has been done, and it's something that you're being made into. Today, you are in process. If, if you're not gone, God's not done. God's still moving in your life. There's still opportunity for you to grow. This has hit me recently. I just was feeling discouraged, and I felt the, the Lord, I just, this thought of like, he's still working. He's still moving. He's still working in you if you let him. He wants to move in you and uh, build you up. First Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's called you into the marvelous light. God's love is that he chose you to be a royal priesthood, and priests would minister to God, and they'd minister to others, and they'd represent God. And we, now I've been called priests, right? There were priests in the Old Testament, but now you and I, this is, gonna, this is crazy, right? It's hard to wrap our minds around, but we have been called priests. And how can I really have confidence in that? Well, the Bible says it in multiple places. It talks about you are a priesthood. And the priests would go into the tabernacle, they'd go to the Holy of Holies, and they'd minister to God. You can do that. When we worship, we're doing a holy thing. We're entering into his presence. So he's given you identity. That's purpose, Right? You represent him everywhere you go. So knowing him takes away striving. I talked about the easy yoke earlier. Uh, works and obedience come out of a place of being loved by God, not to try and earn his love. It's already given to you. It's already been paid for. How many of you tried to earn love in your past? Or have you just received it? What about constant love versus performance-based love? You only get praised when you do well, but when you don't do well, oh boy, love is taken away, right? I, I understand that. If you perform well, if you do something good, like I used to play basketball, and if I didn't do good, if I didn't actually make the right plays, I wouldn't receive as much affirmation. But I'm like, that's not God. <laughs> that is so man, that is so not the heart of the Father. I just want to blow that out of, the, out of the room today. God loves you even when you have bad days. He loves you on your worst day. And he smiles at you on your worst day. doesn't mean he doesn't want more for you. It doesn't mean he doesn't want the best for you to change. But he loves you right there. It's a starting place. It's not based off performance. God loves you versus loving what you do. He loves you, not just what you do. Right? Works are, are just a reflection of love for God. They're not to earn anything. They're not to, base, to build up years of, oh, God, look at what I've done for you. Now, okay, I want you to just show me your love. No, no, no. 
God loves us before any of those works come into play. When we strive, we're trying to earn something we already have, and we already have the love of the Father. And when we let him love us, we're actually going to love others. We're going to actually be pushed into love for our neighbor. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it describes what love is. It's Jesus, right? Love is patient, love is kind, right? That's, that's describing the Father. And so when you get to know him, you're going to get to know love. He's all of that and more. And the more you sit in his love for you, it will begin to change the way that you love people. Patience from God received by you is patience given to you to others. When you receive it, you're going to give it. Have you ever heard of the phrase, hurt people hurt people? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true, it's true. I think the opposite is true. Loved people love people. Loved people love people. So what does that mean? Well, I mean, when you're loved by God, it's just going to overflow. That's, it, God knows that. That's why he set it up this way. That's why the gospel is the way it is, that it started with you receiving. And you might be, oh, I already know that in my head. Guys, there is, this, it is the, I pray that we comprehend the breadth, the height, and the width of God's love. It can never be, it's so big that we have so much of that to go into as a community. And I, I do too. So I just want to encourage us, there's a depth to this that we, there's, there's something for us here. Just like a smile can be contagious, so is love. This is how people come to know Christ is when we become love, it's not that you don't speak truth, but, but love comes in. And I believe that love let in is love poured out. When you let it in, it's going to come out. It's the in and out lifestyle. When you get to know these things, it can become yours. And this love surpasses knowledge. The love of Christ literally drives us to, to share this message with, with many. So we got to let it out. We got to let the love of God out of us. But God loves people way more than we do. Did you know that? That he loves people way more than you do. And that's not to put any of us down. We do love people too. But God loves people even more than we do. So if we tap into his heart, then I'm able to love people. Like that's just really the, the key, right? If we want to learn how to love people more, we got to get to know God's heart. Because God loves people so much. And you're going to be able to love people a lot better when you're not relying on your love for them, but you're letting God's love pour through you. But God doesn't want just them to know their love, but he wants you to know you're loved. He wants that first. That's the starting point. And today we're talking, we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about going out. And that, that's, I'm laying down a foundation, right, before we go into that, that you are loved, and we have to receive that love before we can give it. And I'm telling you, love is going to be what's going to get you to share your faith, to, to ask people to pray for you. You're going to feel the love of God inside of you. That's, that's the truth. That's a, that's a true way to share. But I also think that when we know the end game, it helps us get in the game. When we know the end game, it helps us get in the game. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible clearly teaches that there will be an end. There's going to be an end. Matthew 13 describes the parable of the weeds and the wheat. It's one example. It's describing the world as the field and the good seed is sown by the Father. And the devil sowed the, seed, the weeds in the field. This is a parable Jesus is teaching. Both would grow together, but to pull out the wheat means you'd have to pull out the weeds as well. And then Jesus says it's in the harvest time. He says in verse 30, let both grow until the harvest, and at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, and those are the angels, to gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, 
and gather the wheat to put into my barn. That's in the word. Like, I'm not just coming up with that. And so what am I trying to say? There's an end. There is going to be an end. And this is, when we know the end game, it's gonna help us get in the game. And what do I mean by getting in the game? Well, I mean sharing the love of God, right? This is a motivator. So, and then Matthew 24 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The end will come. Jesus is literally saying there will be an end, but there is a thing that needs to happen before the end. That's to share the love. That's to share the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. That is us, church. We are the vessels that God has chosen to use to spread the gospel to the nations. And that's an important piece. And the end game is that you and I will be with Jesus. We know that there's separation, right? For those who don't know God, Matthew 25 is another example, the sheep and the goats, right? The, the reality is we, we don't know all the details, but there is a separation from those who trust in God and those who don't. It's the parable of the weeds and the wheat in Matthew 13. Matthew 24 talks about the end, and then Matthew 25 as well. This is in the gospel of Matthew, Right? This isn't just me sharing this. There will be an end. This isn't mean to scare anybody, but this is just to, to be honest. This is the scriptures, and this is really important in evangelism. When we know what's coming, it's going to give us more urgency to share, to knowing what, what's going to happen, right? We, you and I, have the pleasure of knowing what, what is to come. The scriptures tell us that. We don't have to be wondering, you know, we don't have to be wondering what people say on social media and all that stuff. We do have a message. We have a hope that we're going to be with him. One of our other pillars here is that the best is yet to come. It's our future worship. We're gonna be, that's gonna be our last, that's the last part of our series. And I'm at the first part right now, and I just thought I could touch on the last part, right? That, that actually the best is yet to come. So you can be confident in that. The key is you are not alone during this. When you share the message of Jesus, you have power. And that power is found in prayer. That's why I, I'm just, that's where we need to go. If we want strength to do this, the power is found in prayer. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses into all of Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus giving us a mandate and a mission that you will be a witness. And, and here's the thing about a witness. A witness is somebody who's already seen something. You have witnessed something. And that's what we want to be. We want to people that witness Jesus, that we know him. We've seen him before, and then we're going to talk about what we've seen. That's really, I, when I, if I can boil down evangelism, which is sharing Jesus, if I can boil it down, the best starting point is to see him and know him and then talk about him. But your talking is going to be way more, it's going to be, more, it's going to be different if you've been with him. You're, and it takes so much time. It's practice. It's, it's not perfection. It's practicing. But if we witness, if we see him, then we're actually going to be able to be a witness, right? That's what a witness is, somebody who's already seen. We have to see him. Are we seeing him? Are we knowing him? Mark 3, uh, Jesus gives us a little pattern. He says, and he went up to the mountain. Jesus goes up to the mountain, and then he called those whom he desired. So those are his disciples. And then they came to him and he appointed the 12 so that they might be with him and then he might send them out to preach. So he called them in to be with him and then discipleship was sending them out to preach. 
There was a coming in and a being with him and then ascending out. And so there's a process in discipleship. And you can go share your faith right now. The, it is yes and amen, but there's a point at which you are discipled. You grow in, in knowing him, and that's just going to increase that sharing peace that is a part of our faith. So there's a call right now, but there's a call to draw near. So we draw near, and then we're sent out. And this empowers you to do the mission. And boldness comes from his presence. The disciples were filled with boldness. They, they brought the gospel all over. But guys, before they did that, they received the spirit in the upper room. They were devoting themselves to prayer. And then they, they received the power of God. And then they went out. And guess what? Thousands were added to the Lord. It literally says that thousands were added to the Lord. That's crazy. That is a crazy impact. I'm talking about the early church right now. After the Spirit was sent, Jesus ascended, and then the Spirit came down. They devoted themselves to prayer, which was the in, and then they went out, and then they shared the gospel. So there's power for us. We don't have to do this on our own. God, here's what I like to say. God didn't call you, call you to something that he didn't give you the power to do. He's not calling you to share, right? Making disciples is not something that you do in your own strength. It is, we have to learn, learn how to trust in him. So prayer is preparation, it's dependence on the Holy Spirit. We need an upper room, a place to go and be with God in prayer. We need a place, because it's in the place that we're filled with the power. We have to come, we have to draw near, we have to uh, enter in, right, and then go out. It's the in and the out. And there's a promise that you'll receive power. And it's not just power for you to use in your own strength. When I say power, I'm not saying like a worldly power. I'm talking about the spirit in you giving you boldness that you need that is outside of your strengths, your capacities. I, one of my friends, he's an evangelist, and he always would say, man, when God saved me, I just was like the most quietest person. Like, he's literally an evangelist, and he preaches the gospel, and he's like super shy. Like, it was crazy. God had to do something in his heart. But the Lord showed him that uh, his love, and then my friend was compelled to go share the gospel, and people got saved at his school, and now he's, he went to North Central with me, and now he's like preaching the gospel, and it's incredible. But God did a work in his life, so whatever your weaknesses are, God can work through that. Even when you're weak, he is strong. When you're weak, he's strong. He's going to work through you. And then I, I have a text I want to read today that kind of inspired me. It's in Deuteronomy 31. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to read there. It says in verse 1, this is Deuteronomy chapter 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called you by name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Ur, and the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Asimach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, all the furnishings in the tent. This is the place where God would meet with his people back in the Old Testament. They would go to the tent, and they would meet with God. And in this tent, they would have conversation. They would receive instruction. Sin would be atoned for. This is a very, very holy place. But God empowered them to do all sorts of things. 
What has the Lord empowered you to do, right? Because these men that were empowered, they were empowered with craftsmanship. God empowers people not just for like the, the visible ministry gifts, but he empowers people to be craftsmen. He empowers people to be air, air pilots. He empowers people to be all sorts of things wherever you are, whatever God's gifted you, and that's a gift. And if you tap into the Lord, he'll give you that. People are called to do all sorts of things, the spirit, like a spirit calling like from the Lord, like a calling from God. He can call you to do all sorts of things from painting to parenting. <laughs> it's all from God and it's, it's good, right? We have to blow this secular, secular, uh, sac- uh, sacred and secular mindset. <laughs> Thank you. So that it's the, we have to get that out of our minds and we have to realize that God is with you right now in, in wherever career field you've chosen. I was reading a book this week called Garden City. It's a really good book. Uh, so good. Uh, God really was highlighting some stuff to me. Uh, but like, we aren't called to just do those things. You're also called to make disciples as you do those things. The question that John Mark raises in his book is, if Jesus were you, how would he live? One big question, if you can take that away today, if you can just tuck that in your back pocket and bring it into your week, what would God do in my singleness, in my marriage, in my family, in my job, in my drive to work, with this coworker, with this situation, with this family member? What would Jesus do if he were me? And not just how he would treat people, but how, what would he do with this time? There's all sorts of things that we can ask, right? What would Jesus do if he were me? And it's not that he'll put burdens on you, but how would he live? Like, honestly, how would he live? And the Spirit transforms us and I was talking with somebody this week, and they were sharing how, like, they want to become an, an architect, and, but they want to use that to share the gospel. And I'm like, whoa. So you're not, there's a greater vision for us. Like, we're not just here just to do these things and then die. Like, there's actually a greater purpose for you. If you want purpose, like, come to the table. We got purpose today. Like, this is for you to actually draw near God transforms the mundane and then he turns it, he can make it miraculous. He can make it awesome. So he, t- he takes opportunities. When we see our work as an opportunity, it changes our ethic. It changes how you do it. When we know, when we know that, that we're empowered by the spirit, when we see it as an opportunity, it changes. We gotta start seeing our jobs as opportunities and not obligations. It's an opportunity not an obligation, right? And it can feel like that, but I just want to encourage you, with God, you can start to see it as a joy, as an opportunity to share the love of God. And it might be through words, it might be through something else. I'm not saying it has to be one way, but I do believe that there's doors that can open for you to actually share the words, the gospel message that Jesus changes everything. Excellence is a value of the kingdom, and it's one of our values here too, excellence, right? We want to do good. We want to do a good job at what we do. And so it changes our ethic. He, he is excellent, so then we go for excellence, right? In everything we do. This is another value. It's not perfection, but it's excellence. We go for the best, and it's out of worship to God and not comparison to others. It's not, we have to check our heart and our motive when we're trying to be excellent at work. Is this, and we all have been there. I've been there too. We, it's, just, it's a constant question to ask, right? Lord, it, it, why am I doing this right now? Asking him for that. And the spirit, back to these, these people that were anointed to do this work, to build the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. They were given special abilities. They were gifted to build the tent of meeting and many other things. The tent of meeting was a place to meet with God. It was a dwelling place to be with him. 
We need to start seeing our, da- our lives, our daily lives and jobs as opportunities. God wants to use us, but sometimes we're stuck in the rut. We're stuck in a rut of just check, clocking in, clock out. I know, it's easy. But God, like, the, when we see the glory of the moment, when you, when you see purpose changes and all of a sudden you have joy and you're like, okay, God, I'm excited for today. Who can I talk to? Or who can I be with? Or how can I serve you? How can I represent you as a, as a son and daughter who's been chosen as the priest to represent the Lord? God wants you to have purpose in your position. And when you know him, everything else changes. Your job, everything else, everything you have. and affects how you do your work. The tent of meeting was a place for people to meet with God. It was the tent of meeting. It was a meeting place. And the whole goal is that when people meet you, they meet him. <laughs> the temple of meeting, the tent of meeting in the Old Testament was a place they went to, people would go to meet with God. But now, you and I are temples, and when people meet you, the goal is that they meet him. They get an introduction to Jesus. This is exciting, that when you carry the Holy Spirit, it's not a big thing. Like, I just want to encourage you that you actually have the Spirit of God. If you've trusted in Jesus, you have the Spirit in you. It's living and it's active and you have a drink of water that somebody two cubicles down needs. You have a drink, you have a cup to pour out from and maybe you don't feel that. Well, my encouragement is to ask God for that and draw near through the word, through prayer, through the practices. The practices will out, they pour out but then they're also transformation of your soul and when your soul's transformed, everything else around you starts to look like heaven. The kingdom of God is ushered in because you've, given yourself over. You've given yourself over to him. So you are a a meeting place. Just like the temple was a meeting place, you are a meeting place for God. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. When people meet you, they meet him. That's the whole goal. We're representations. Peter 2 Peter 2 9 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, right, to represent him. You are the, the vessel that God has chosen and we get to be that vehicle through which God uses, right? I just say we, we see it as a gift and as a blessing. And when we know who we are, it changes our purpose. You are a meeting place. God wants to bring his presence, and it doesn't have to be anything flashy. But I'm telling you, when the spirit of God, like I just felt joy ooze out of me before when I've been like at buying coffee somewhere. And I know it's the spirit because I know he wants to bring joy, Right? Or whatever, however God chooses to work through you, maybe you just have a lot of wisdom. Maybe you are good at problem solving. Whatever God's given you to reflect him, right? I believe that evangelism is something that's personal. God works through all of us differently. You know, one of the things that I've had to encourage myself and a a friend of mine, I just encourage them. I'm like, God wants to use you and your personality and who you are. He wants to move through you because he created you. You don't have to force yourself to become another person. You, God wants you to become who you are, and in that, you share him. You share him with, every, with everybody else. So we got to identify our platform. Everything changes when we know that our work isn't just an obligation. It's an opportunity. It's a place and space for people to meet with God. I want to encourage you, what is your platform? Where are you? Who are you influencing? Whether it's your kids, your family, maybe it's a niece or nephew. Who is it that you have influence in right now? John chapter four describes a woman who met Jesus. She had a history and God knew that. 
but he spoke to her hunger. This is the woman at the well. This is John chapter four. People are thirsty for living water. And when you know people are thirsty for the water that you have, you're gonna be able to wanna share that more. I just know that people have told me like people around you are already hungry for God. They just don't know it. We all have what, you know, St. Augustine called the God gap, the hole in our heart that can only be filled again and again and again by Jesus. The bread of life, the living water, Jesus says, if you take a drink from this water, you won't thirst anymore. There's a lot of thirsting going on. We all do. But you have that. You have access to that if you know Jesus. You have living water. So God, he saves us, right? He saves us from sin. He saves us from separation from him, brings us back. And now we're brought back into right relationship. This is the gospel. And when we know the spirit, he brings us from dryness to fullness. He brings, that's how he, ch- he changes everything because the spirit comes in, brings you to life, and then you get to bring life to others. It's, it's this beautiful in and out. If, that's, if, if there's one idea that I'm talking about today, that's the idea. that You receive it in and then it goes out. And that you have an opportunity. I really do believe that if we all say yes to that opportunity, we're going to be able to bring it out. We're going to be able to share the gospel with so many people. So we believe in Jesus. We receive his spirit. The spirit is not earned. It's given. It's received. I just want to encourage you to that, that today. Jesus says that whoever believes in me shall have life. Believing is the entrance point. This is square one, but I really think it's important for us to remind ourselves. This is like square one. This is where we start. This is the starting point. And that we enter in not by merit, not by works, not by anything else. You know, Romans 4 says, now to him who works, his wages are, are what is earned. But then Paul says that... Um, when we believe in him, we are made righteous, right? When Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. When we go from dryness to fullness in the spirit. So I wanna encourage you today to lean into that. There's a tool that I like to use. It's called the Romans Road. How many of you heard of it? The Romans Road. Yeah, so that's, a, that's an opportunity. It's, it's basically a way that uh, you can share the gospel. It walks through the Romans. It walks through different verses in Romans, and it kind of allows you to have a method. And I think sometimes we need a method. And I'd encourage you to to look into it. So it has a verse in Romans three twenty three, and then it goes five twenty. It goes six twenty three, and then it goes to ten. Right? If you Google it, you're going to see a layout of the Romans road. I don't have time to go into it now, but I want to close with this today, that. Really, this whole, the whole idea is that we receive the love of God and then we share it with others. There's a receiving and then there's a giving and we should never graduate from the gospel. He wants to be your shepherd. There's an analogy of the fishermen, right? When Jesus called the disciples to be fishermen, there's an idea that all you can do is controlling, you can cast your net, but you can't control the biting of the fish. But that bait is actually attractive to the fish. Jesus is attractive to those who don't know him because he is full, he is fullness, he is living water. All you can do is control, all you can do is cast. The pressure is off of you, the fruit is in God's hands, the faithfulness is in yours to share that message, to be the light of, of Christ in your workplace. Just know this, that you're so loved by God and that he wants to use you, that he delights in you before you've ever done anything for him. 
Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you that you are faithful. From day one, you had a plan. You weren't surprised. God, that you literally, you knew it all, and yet you came and you gave your only son that we might know you, God. I pray today that we would let our hearts know who you are and that we would know your heart, that you are faithful, you are a faithful king. Thank you so much for your presence. Lead us and guide us to know you more. Help us to not worry or fear about tomorrow. I pray that we would see our work as opportunities not obligations, God. Bless our day, bless our work, everything we do for you in Jesus' precious name, amen. I wanna encourage us to get ready. Uh, we're gonna take communion. Um, if you haven't, if you don't really know about communion, the, the blood is represented by the cup and the blood of Jesus was spilled for you. It is the, it is the blood of the new covenant which means that we draw near by, not by the blood of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, but we draw near by the blood of Jesus and that blood has covered all of your sin. So today, just whatever it is, bring it to him. And I think there are two important things when it comes to a gift, a thank you and a receiving. So my encouragement today is just two things, thank him for it and then just receive it. Receive what he did, let it be a symbol of what he did for you. And we have the communion table at the back uh, and we'll invite you guys to come forward. Uh, we'll stand right here. We have gluten-free, and then we have regular. Uh, just let it be a moment for you to reflect and thank him for what he did. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.